This is Frazzly with Frazzlecast. Do you want to talk about World of Warcraft every week with different people and a little bit of geeky stuff? Check out Frazzlecast.com and on all of your favorite podcast players. And remember, keep it geek. theme song means it is once again time to promo the Geek Wolf Pack podcast. I'm your Papa Wolf, Nick Kelly. And I'm your Mama Wolf, Stacia Kelly. And I'm Thermal Wolf, Brandon Kelly. Here on the podcast, we're just a couple of generations geeking out and sharing what we think we think. We'll share the latest nerd news and sci-fi happenings. Looking for life hacks? I'll tell you if there's an app for that. And I'll give you the latest from a gamer's point of view. Plus, every episode includes some of what we like to call ADHD D&D. I'm a healer, and I killed a dragon. Spoilers. (laughs) Spoilers. <laughs> so join us here at the Geek Wolfpack Podcast. Join us on iTunes, Stitcher, Blueberry, or wherever you find your podcasts, or simply at geekwolfpackpodcast.com. And as always, geek out. My name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays of various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 124 of Geekitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Today, I am very excited to be joined by my wonderful co-host, Ray. How you doing, Ray? I'm doing great, Joe. Um, Hello. I'm excited to hear about Comic-Con. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I, it was a it was a fun time, a really, really, really fun time. Yeah, and I want the whole the whole download. I want to <laughs> I want to hear it all. Um, as part of our um, just a behind the scenes thing, often we we try very hard to uh, not talk about things before we we start recording. But today was one of those times where we started talking about something and we suddenly went, okay, we need to stop. We need to start recording so that we can continue this conversation so that people can hear it. Yeah, um, I got I got problems. <laughs> yeah, I, I am going with family to go see um, the Mission Impossible movie today. And I mentioned that I cannot stand Tom Cruise. Now, um, I'm going to jump in because I, I know my husband overheard and I think he now thinks that we shouldn't go. But um, I actually have I I find that I I like his movies even if I don't like him. Okay, so that should be a clarification. I'm there with you on that. Yes, but um, but yeah, I have I have major Tom Cruise issues just universally across the board, and so um, I don't seek out Tom Cruise movies. And when we do go to see Tom Cruise movies, um. I'm very resistant to it, but uh, I, I hated, hated the first two Mission Impossible movies. Hate Ray, I cannot tell you the passion. Like there are very few things in life that I, there are very few movies I have come out of the theater angry about, and the Mission Impossible movies were 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 them. 
So the, the did you, did you watch Mission Impossible growing up? Yeah, uh, I watched it when I was older, and they were rerunning it. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, and uh. I mean they're not they're not great. They're oh. they're like the episodes are long and slow. But I love, I mean, I love heist movies. I love, yeah, you do. I love the dynamic of people like with different skills coming together to solve something. Right. And that's why I hated the Mission Impossible movies so much in the first, <laughs> the first two or three of them. Cause it was like the <laughs> first they, one, spoilers <laughs> for a movie that's like 20 years old. Um, they killed the, first, the team. They killed <laughs> the the team first and then it's just, it's just a Tom Cruise movie. And I was like, screw this. I don't want to see a Tom Cruise movie. I want to see Mission Impossible. This isn't a Mission Impossible. This is a Tom Cruise movie. But, but he, but he gets together another team. No, he doesn't. <laughs> like, like he does it. Like he does later in later movies. He gets a team again, and then they start keeping parts of the team together. And it's like, okay, this works. But no, but in the first two movies, they were terrible because it was just him. And then they were going to bring Jeremy Renner in, and then that didn't happen. And everybody knows how I feel about Jeremy Renner. So. <laughs> So I will go and enjoy this movie because it, I my understanding is a it's a good movie and b they have gone more towards the all right we're we're a team backing up right Tom Cruise right but <laughs> it's still not mission like just make a different movie yeah. and don't call it Mission Impossible if it's just Tom Cruise <laughs> doing it oh my god I. Sitting, sitting next to you in the theater in the first 15 minutes of Mission, that first Mission Impossible movie must have been really interesting. Oh, my. I was – well, I'm like I, – I, it hadn't clicked yet. It hadn't clicked that, oh, this is going to be just Tom Cruise. It was like, okay, this team died, so he's going to bring in a new one. You're going to get to see him select it. It's going to be awesome because it's a Mission Impossible movie. <laughs> is that what the show was like? Is that it was a whole team? I thought it was just like one dude. No, it was always a team, and that was the cool thing. Like in the in the beginning, like they they like as the credits were rolling, the credits were him going through the the like Manila files of the people that were being selected for that mission for their specific skills. And it was so so it was like, a different team every time. Um, there were like two or three consistent people, but then they brought in guest stars every week. That sounds like a cool show. Yeah, the concept is great, and it's 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 a good show. It's just it is definitely of its time and pacing, because it was like they try and build suspense, and like if you're trying to watch it, there was a there was a two parter series where they were trying to break somebody out of jail, and it it took forever, <laughs> forever, and it was just a lot of quiet moments. It was a lot of just like trying to build up that tension, yeah. but in a very 70s 80s sort of way and so um so you know going back and watching it is not always pleasant because you know we're used to fast pace and right an hour but they really took their time with a lot of this stuff and it would be like we're gonna call in this person because we need somebody to walk across a a (laughs) rope so we're gonna go to the circus and recruit this agent that's going to come and walk across this rope so that we can get whatever we need. I mean, like that's how specific the skills were. That's kind of cool. That's the kind of, that sounds like the kind of idea that once Tom Cruise is done making mission impossible movies, which he looks like he's close, but who knows with Tom Cruise, um, they should reboot that into a show 
like now with like you know what i mean like update like better editing like it just sounds like a cool idea yeah but then if we if they do it they're gonna just do it like scorpion have you seen scorpion have you heard about scorpion the no the, the mortal Kombat character no <laughs> no there's a there is a there is a a, t, a tv show where all of these like misfits and geeks with all these different skills um solve solve crimes and stuff like you know they kind of are are recruited by the fbi to to solve problems what network that, is this on um i don't know huh. one of the one of the big four okay oh okay and, and I I can I can suspend disbelief. Matt can't. So Matt gave it like one episode and I'm like I'm done. And I gave it like two episodes and I was like okay, even I can't. Like this oh, is stupid. What? Because it was like it wasn't it wasn't like we can create a world where all of this is realistic. It's let's see how far we can push the unbelievability of the, like we're going to, we're going to, it's like MacGyver, but with no science behind it at all. <laughs> They're just making it up. Yeah. Cause I don't know if you know this, but the original MacGyver, except for bombs where they would leave out an ingredient because they didn't want people building bombs at home. Yeah. Everything was, was pretty much scientifically possible. Like you could really do all that stuff. Like you could really do all that stuff. What the hell? That's cool. Who the hell was like writing that show? Jeez, talk about a ton of research. Yeah. So, so, uh, so yeah, that's my big problem with with Mission Impossible. So I can understand, like, I would. Well, I guess it's weird for me because I don't follow celebrity news or gossip, right? Uh-huh. Like, I don't know who's dating who. I don't know who had a freak out or who you know was just arrested for drugs or whatever. Like. I don't follow any of that at all. So my entire perception of these celebrities and actors and actresses or whatnot um, is completely based on the movies that I see them in, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so for a while, like, I really couldn't understand when people would just be against a certain actor or actress or just did not like them for right. reasons outside of, a, you know, filmmaking, um, one, I can understand saying, you know, I don't like the kind of movies that so-and-so makes or whatever, um, or so-and-so's personality just get on my nerve, gets on my nerves. But like, for instance, for Tom Cruise, he's got a lot of crazy shit going <laughs> outside of the films that he makes. Um, and I don't, I'm not a fan of every Tom Cruise movie, but when I, when I see that Tom Cruise is making a movie or is going to be in the movie, I feel like it's a good bet to be entertaining. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where, you know, where, where I I am with, with his films, including, you know, Mission Possible movies, whatever, is that, and it sounds kind of basic, but he tries really hard. Mm-hmm. You know, like he never phones anything in, ever. This is true. This is true. He tries so hard to, to give you, like, your, your, your money's worth in, in entertainment. And so for that reason, I kind of, like, there's a certain trust there that it's like, you know, even if I don't like the movie or the story told or whatever, like it's not going to be because they didn't think it through or, you know, there was like no effort put in or whatever. Um, so, so that's where I am with, with him. You know, I've, I've seen movies that I did of his, that I did not think I was going to like that were on cable. And at the end of it, I was like, wow, you know, that, that was entertaining. Like that, that really moved along though, that two hour running time or whatever. 
Yeah. Um, now, there are certain people, certain actors, that I actually have met people that don't like them, and it baffles me. Mm-hmm. And I and you, so you're not the only one, Joe. And and there's two actors in particular that keep coming up that people say I just don't, I just no, I can't do it. And in both cases. It was, and these are with multiple friends of mine, multiple people that I've known over the years. And in both cases, it was always that they came to the actor's work late, where it's like once they become a personality, then that actor starts to kind of starts to coast on that personality as opposed to actually like acting, right? Yeah, yeah. And those two actors are Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington. Yes. I would I would agree with both of those statements. What? Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. So let me let me. This is for those of you who are listening. Like this is literally just us having a, a, a <laughs> discussion. Um, Tom Hanks is a good actor, and he picks good parts. But at the end of the day, I feel especially since, um, uh, in in his recent work, he is just playing Tom Hanks playing whomever. Okay. Like it's not, <laughs> it's not like he is always Tom Hanks, right? Like Jack Nicholson, not, like Al Pacino, like you know. Yeah, but I don't go, but I don't go into a Al Pacino or or Jack Nicholson movie and think I'm going to get a transformation of the character. It, right. it would be right. if it would be if like <laughs> if if Meryl Streep just started playing Meryl Streep, like you okay. know she's an amazing actress. But she's not doing any like she's she's very specific. She would he he very specifically picks roles that he will be good at. Like he doesn't. I don't think he challenges himself anymore. Right, I don't think right. he, he doesn't have he does to. Any, no, he doesn't have to, and that's yeah. fine. Yeah. But I don't find it like I'll go see his movies, especially because I think I think Matt is a as a you know enjoys those movies, but. I find that he is just playing himself. I don't feel like he is acting anymore. Yeah. Okay. I can see. I. I don't. Yeah. I'm. I'm not wait. I, you know. I'm a fan of of these actors, but I, I'm not waiting in anticipation for their next film. Right. I'm a fan of them for movies that they've made in the past. And with like Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks is a little bit trickier uh, because he kind of started as a comedic actor, and you know he's basically doing his shtick, right? Mm-hmm. And then the movies mm-hmm. are just the vehicles for that. Um, with Denzel Washington, like, oh, when I hear that, I love to show that person glory because then they're like, whoa, you know what I mean? And there's a, I think there's a reason why he won, finally won that Oscar for, um, for training day because he, after all the time, after, you know, kind of getting into a group of playing Denzel Washington, he Mm -hmm. went and played like, you know, he did like a, a a heel turn kind of in his career for that film. Uh, so I don't think it's a coincidence that he finally won for that. Uh, with Tom Hanks, I don't know. I, w- I would, I guess, I mean, Forrest Gump is kind of like the, the cheesy go-to. Everyone knows. Everyone knows. Um, probably Philadelphia. Um, yeah, no, Philadelphia was really good. Probably, you know, like, I think he's the he's l- the, the least Tom Hanks-y in that movie. Um, now, now, sometimes with a good movie or with a good director, you can cast an actor like Tom Hanks knowing full out like like the reason why is because people will see him as tom hanks and then in a movie like saving private ryan 
that has an added effect on the audience. The fact that 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 Tom Hanks, that mm-hmm. you know, the, the 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 kind of love that we've built for that persona, as we know it, is going through the scenes and the and the you know what happened, the story of that film. And I and I would argue, and you're you're a bigger film critic than I am, so maybe I'm completely out of my mind on this one, but I feel like that's lazy. Okay. Really? If you, I feel like yeah. that's something that happens a lot in filmmaking, like over time, not just like, you know, not just lately or anything like that. Oh, yeah, no. But I, I think it's like we're going to cast this person because we know the audience is going to already love them. So we don't have to do the work in the script to make that happen. Uh, okay, sure, sure. I could see. And then so you like, come along and I'm like, eh. And so you're not a him. fan of. So you're not a fan of Jimmy Stewart's career then. I mean, I don't, I don't have a problem with it, but I, I, that I feel is a totally different thing. Like, because he's, he's from a different era. Oh, well, it's hard to say what your era is when you're in it. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? I also think it's hilarious that just as a kind of a side, <laughs> you made this statement that you don't go into Jack Nicholson and Al Pacino movies expecting a character turn, which I read as, I don't really go into those movies expecting a good movie. <laughs> no, I just, I know what I'm, I know what I'm getting at. I don't feel like they're like, I am going to be, I'm going to be transformed. Like, again, yeah. I'm going to go back to Meryl Streep. I, we all know Meryl Streep. She's in everything. But she gives you a different character every movie. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And and so never do I go to see a Meryl Streep movie and go, oh, she's just being Meryl Streep. Right, right. Where, where there are people like, I mean, I go to see um, Matthew, Mc, not Matthew McConaughey. Um, yeah, Matthew McConaughey. I go and see his stuff because it's he's going to be Matthew McConaughey. And it's kind of fun. <laughs> and you know, it's like, you know, you're not expecting yeah. your transfer. You're just like there is something that that, but I think where I have a problem with it is with people who are like, oh, he's such an amazing actor. Yes, Tom Hanks is an amazing actor. I haven't seen him act in a very long time. Right, right. So do you think like like actors that are taking on roles in these comic book movies that are like huge now, do you think they're worried about that? Absolutely. I think a lot of them are going to get very much typecast as um, whatever they're character yeah. is in the in the Marvel universe and and you've got you've got people like Scarlett Johansson who just want the Academy Award and will do anything to get it. <laughs> oh my god. Um, you've got Jeremy coming. Renner who is not playing drastically different characters. He is he is acting in a niche that Hawkeye doesn't take him out of, so he's gonna be fine. Yeah. I kind of feel with Jeremy Renner, like these movies have made him a a a worse actor for for it, you know. Like he mm-hmm. he's really good, and I early on in his career, I remember watching him, you know, early on and thinking, wow, this guy has chops. Like he's really good. But once you start making these movies, it is kind of it does kind of force you to just, you know, whether it's superhero action or or whatever action, you know, it just kind of you become you have to fill that character archetype, right? Yeah. I think it depends on how much of the career they had before they gave, got into these movies. I think the yeah. biggest person who's going to have a problem is Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth? Oh, I thought you were going to say Chris Evans. 
he's going to have it like he's been trying to do stuff kind of on the side for a very long time. And he yeah. has a couple of movies that are a little off the beaten path before he got into this. Yeah. Yeah. They were smaller movies, though. Yeah. He seems the most outwardly uh, not concerned, but kind of focused on that. Like, I want to have a life after this. Like, I want to have a career after this. Well, right? I think he's also like, I think I think when. He got um, the uh, what am I thinking? The when, when we heard him complain about Captain America and talk about I don't want to do a lot more of these movies. I think he was in the middle of training. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I think he's I'm even sure. come out and said that he was in the middle of training and he was just <laughs> over the dieting and exercising <laughs> and not being able to have cake. And yeah, I think he was done at that point and then when he came down from the from being hangry he uh, yeah <laughs> you know and That's it was like content. okay no this is cool i do i do appreciate what i'm part of but no yeah. i don't want to do this for my entire life <laughs> that's good context because basically the avengers are hangry okay just yeah, yeah you should yeah. know that just all of those characters all of those actors are miserable i noticed uh chris pratt's kind of you know change in his physique in, in Infinity War a little bit. And then I thought it was funny that they put made it into like a, a funny scene, you know, yeah, where yeah. he was talking about, am I overweight? Did I let myself go? You know? I'm like, <laughs> it's so difficult to do that, to maintain that, right? And especially if yeah. like Chris Hemsworth, he he's completely transformed his body. Like, he's a skinny dude. Like, he's not, you know, I mean, he's still muscular, but he's like thin, you know? Yes, yes. And to pack on all of that weight for Thor—that's crazy. What, why did you say that he? You think he would have the hardest time? Because he doesn't have a lot of movies outside of Avengers, and they're not strong movies to fall back on and say, "Look what else I can do." Right, right. And then I feel like you get those actors and actresses that are like, "I want to get on this gravy train. Like, I want to be typecast uh-huh. for this." You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Huh interesting that's cool that's so so you're gonna go see mission impossible today i need a report back sir now that we've talked about this about whether or not it was it was worth the the time i i'm not i'm not worried about it i think it'll be a good time yeah um and i do think the mission impossible movies have been a lot better lately yeah i agree they have i agree more about all the people coming together and doing cool things and not just tom cruise being tom cruise yeah, I think this also speaks to something that you and I talked about this weekend um, off podcast, um, how the range of what is considered geeky, right? And like mm-hmm. geek properties, like, it, you know, something like Mission Impossible, like that's, that's, you know, that there were, <laughs> you know, introverted kids, geeky kids, you know, at mm-hmm. that, at that time. That, that was like their favorite show, and they were like fully geeking out on the subject matter of the show, just like X-Files in the 90s. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's so cool. That's just a cool reminder of like really how many geeky platforms and properties are out there. Yeah, we had a big discussion about that this weekend. Because you hung out with us. That's part of our weekly geekery. You came over and we had a day. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That was that. Yeah, I was concerned. I'm like, oh my god, what did I do that was geeky this week? Oh well, I geeked out with Joe for like 24 hours straight. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also I'm still unpacking, so 
uh, I, it's a slow process for me because I'm very deliberate about how I set up my spaces, something we also talked about a lot this weekend. <laughs> um, and so, but what's cool is that like before I got my Wi-Fi hooked up and installed and all that in my new apartment, um, I busted out the Blu-ray player, which, you know, I kind of had to dust that off, um, unpacked my Blu-rays. And so I like, while I was unpacking, I watched Man of Steel again, which is just, the Superman movie of my dreams. Like, honestly, I know it divided fandom. Uh, I was on the side that just absolutely loved it. Plot holes and all, because, you know, you dig deep enough into any of these <laughs> superhero movies, you're going to find plot holes. So that's fine. Yeah. Um, I also, uh, oh, I watched Jaws as well, which is, I just love that movie so much. Watching yeah, Jaws great. for me is like, I don't have a book that I just, you know, I, I mean, I have books that I love, but I don't have a book that I'll read over and over and over again, right? Just, mm-hmm. I know people that will open a book they love and just read a few pages just right. to like sit with that old friend, you know, that's a book for an hour or so. Um, I feel like Jaws is that is that for me. I mean, of course, it would be a movie, but. Right. Um, right, right. Yeah. So that, that was some of the geeky stuff that I did this week. Uh, what about that's you? Awesome. Um, well, I did Comic-Con. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not talk too much about it because we're going to talk about what the announcements were. Yeah, yeah. And um, we're going to uh, we're going to talk about what the announcements were, and then hopefully we're going to have a lot of the guests that I listened to on as guests or people panelists that I heard as guests. So sitting and saying these are all the people that we might have. On, I think that would be boring. <laughs> Um, but it was just fun. It was like hanging out with, um, some really good friends for an entire five days. And I do feel like Comic-Con is moving out of the hyper corporate and back into fan fest. What tipped you off or, or what gave you that feeling? Um, the fact that really not a lot of announcements came out of, I mean, announcements did come out of Comic-Con, but not. Like usually, like our we have maybe what eight things that we're going to talk about. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like in previous years we would have had like twenty or thirty. Yeah, maybe it's just it's gotten to the point that it's gotten so big that it's now branching off. It's it's almost it's it's separating, you know, because Marvel and Disney are now doing their own thing. So we didn't get anything from Star Wars. We didn't get anything from the MCU. We didn't get any of that stuff because they're now have their own convention. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's gotten so big that now it's like splintering. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. So it'll be interesting. I I think we're moving into a different era of Comic Con. I don't think it's ever going to like come down in popularity, but I do think the it's going to shift away from being like, hey, here's all these huge panels where we make all our announcements. Right. Right. And if you think about it, yeah, if you're just an MCU fan up until you know the last year or two, you've had a huge reason to go to Comic Con. Yeah. And now you don't. So it's it's other fandoms, right? Absolutely. Yeah, which is cool because I remember, I mean, obviously I, I haven't been at Comic-Con in a while, but when I first started going, it was before, you know, Marvel was there, obviously, but it was before the MCU, mm-hmm. right? So that kind yeah. of created like a big thing. Yeah. Cool, man. Jealous. I'm going to go next year. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to try. We're going to try and get you and, and Katie at the very least. We're going to try and get you guys tickets next year. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to try. Uh, so yeah, so that was that was it. I did I did a couple of other things. I know um, 
Rob from the comic box has been talking about him finishing up uh, Sense Eight, and I finally did too. It was very satisfying. Good. <laughs> that would have been a bummer if it wasn't, you know, after the yeah. the fact that they, it got canceled before it's, you know, before the story had a chance to run its course. Yeah. So that it was. I mean, you could definitely tell it was like this is what we were going to do in the next three or four seasons, all condensed into a two and a half hour movie. <laughs> But but I feel like they were able to go. This is this is the this is the whole of what we wanted to present. We got all the messages out there. So there you go. Yeah yeah, and I see um, I see a lot of Warcraft. I am so back into Warcraft. Like I haven't been this into Warcraft in a very very long time. And my biggest problem right now is not knowing what I'm going to play as a main in the new expansion, which comes out in two weeks. So I have two weeks to decide and level whatever it is that I want to play for the next two years. Whoa. How does that work? Um, well, there's all sorts of ways I could, I've got a free boost that'll bring it up to the current level. Um, I have a couple characters that are already high enough level that I can get there. If I really want, I just need to transfer them to the right realm. I can pay to boost um, to that. There's all different ways. Or I can do what I'm going to try and do and get as much gaming as possible in this next week before school starts getting underway again and get something. And you mean like, when you say level, you mean like level your character up to like a certain point? Yeah. Yeah, because the next content starts at level 110. So you have to take your character from 0 to 110. Oh, and so they they release like content, and then you have to be at a certain level to access it. Yeah, but they, they because it's been going so long. Every time you buy a new expansion, you get a free boost. So if you're just starting out, like if you Ray decided to play World of Warcraft tomorrow, you could buy the latest expansion, and they would give you an automatic one ten character. Oh, wow! But then you would it start. It's using a character that you're. Starting from scratch. Yeah, it's a brand new character, but instead of having to level it from zero to one ten, you just start at one ten, so you can go right into the new content. And for a player like you who's been playing for years, what is the um, what is the argument against doing that? Um, well, a lot of people will be like, "Well, they've never played this character before, so they're not going to be as proficient at it." Where you don't have one hundred and ten levels to learn how to play the character. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so that's the biggest problem because I, I get a 110 character as well. So I can automatically boost a character because I bought the new expansion. Okay. Okay. Man, this sounds epic. Yeah, no, it's going to be a lot of fun. And and now there's a lot of people on the geek to geek network. Bij is going to be joining. Um, he's back in WoW. A bunch of our listeners are back in WoW. So we've got a little community going on and so it's fun to be able to talk to people and play yeah i'm so fascinated by this platform gaming platform and then i'm also a little bit wary because i'm like i can't afford (laughs) another you know time suck or like you know i I, I, definitely it definitely is (laughs) like where where in my life would i fit that if i were to get like hooked on this platform you know and like start gaming like i don't know how people that I know already are busy, like how they fit it in, but I guess it's just like any other things. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's kind of like like that is my thing. Like I, I am going to play a video game, and so as long as I am, 
playing. I mean, I do take my breaks and go play other games, but especially when a new expansion launches, like that is my game. So anytime I'm gaming, it will be WoW, and that's how I recharge my energy after a long work week. So yeah, <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. All right. Are we? Are we? I'm ready to dive into the Comic Con report. Okay, cool. Uh, then we will take a quick commercial break, and we will be right back. I'm Void. And I'm Beach. And together, we're the geek to geek podcast. Well, we make it. It is kind of us, but I guess it's separate. Every week, we pick a topic from geek or digital culture and chat about it for a while. And you're invited. We talk about books and movies, games, comics, the internet. Or really whatever we feel like. Yeah, that too. So look for the geek to geek podcast on iTunes. Or wherever your podcasts are sold. Or downloaded. Or whatever. Hi everyone, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and we are the hosts of Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture and talking about pretty much whatever we want. Katie! Yes? Stop thinking about Zac Efron and tell our future listeners what some of our latest episodes have been about. Well, we've talked about Zac Efron. No, get it together, Katie. Fine. We've talked about fan fiction, classical literature adaptations, favorite TV couples, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice and download our podcast today. And we're back. And if you have not checked out our other podcasts on the geek to geek network, uh, I encourage you to do so. Um, we as a group are trying to really start uh, taking the network in some fun and interesting directions. So um, check out the geek to geek cast this week. They're talking about the summer slump where we've kind of run out of movies and we've kind of run out of video games and we've just kind of booping along until the fall stuff starts coming out. So um, definitely give them a listen. And then uh, tea time with Katie and Chelsea. They talk about women in the Harry Potter series, which blew up a whole thing on Slack about, um, you know, what house we're all in and um, when <laughs> listeners come in and say, oh, by the way, we haven't, uh, I haven't read it. That got into a whole conversation about, you know, people whose parents didn't let them read Harry Potter. Oh. So yeah, it was really interesting. It was a really good, um, really good discussion. Like people talk, like listed all the things that they weren't allowed to, to watch or read or or participate in when they were growing up because of religious reasons or just very conservative parent reasons. Uh Um, So very interesting stuff. And uh, definitely we, we are all over the place. We have a Reddit, we have a Slack, we have a discord now. Um, There's a group of us playing on wow. And there's a wow community going on. So really, if you have any interest in hanging out with people from the geek to geek network, uh, you really don't have an excuse not to, because we're kind of everywhere. So that's it. So um, Comic-Con and spoilers. all spoilers, the, yeah, spoilers on everything. <laughs> um, it's just announcements, announcements, announcements. Um, so if you don't want to know anything about everything, then this is not the episode for you to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of different ways to go to Comic-Con or to do Comic-Con, right? Yes. Uh, yes. I've been multiple times. I haven't been in a few years. But um, for, for a while, my way was, you know, as a professional. 
which is a totally different experience uh, because, you know, I show up with my portfolio and I'm waiting in lines as well, like a lot of other people, but I'm waiting in lines to speak to art directors and editors. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I, when I haven't been to comic con seeking work, um, I'm, I'm in the hall, like I'm in the big exhibition hall and I'm there to like chat up like creators, you know, writers and artists. I'm there to see like what cool stuff, um, each, you know, uh, uh, company or, or studio has to promote. Uh, I spend a lot of time in artist alley. Um, I hardly ever actually have gone into a panel and the one time that you and I kind of met up at Comic-Con, like I saw right away, like, oh, wow, like Joe has a very different experience at Comic-Con than I do. Um, yeah. Why don't you tell us about what your what is on your agenda when, when you're going to Comic-Con? Uh, it has evolved over the years, as has Comic-Con. Um, I go when I first started going. Again, I've said this all the time. It is not an elitist thing. It is just a you know, remembering when, uh, when we used to be able to show up and pay $40 at the door for the entire weekend, um, (laughs) you could do Comic-Con a little bit differently. Like I was saying to you, when you were here over the weekend, I could get to hall H a couple hours. Like as soon as, as soon as the, the place opened, you could kind of just go straight there and you'd probably get, you might not get into the first panel, but you'd get into like the second or third. Um, and Hall H is where they do all the big announcements and the big major companies do all their stuff. Um, and then you started to have to get there and wait in line at five in the morning. Or well, it was sorry, six in the morning, then five in the morning. <laughs> then it was like, okay, now we're camping overnight. Wow. And as this as this progression is going, I am getting older. So <laughs> my friends and I have all kind of decided we don't do Hall H. We don't do um, Ballroom 20. Those are the two big rooms that just is almost impossible to get into unless you are just really okay with being uncomfortable for multiple days. What was the breaking point for you? Because, and the reason I'm asking this is because Hall H has achieved kind of legendary status, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, in the early days, as you said, you know, you could wait in line and get there and, and be able to get into that presentation room and that's like you said that's where all of the big announcements were made but those announcements over the years you know as the industry grew and then kind of uh, attached itself to the greater entertainment industry those announcements just got bigger and bigger and bigger and more and more people wanted to know and so like the last few years of hall h especially before you know disney moved marvel elsewhere uh, that was just like, I mean, it was Comic-Con was Hall H, mm-hmm. right? For a few years there. Um, and it was almost like, you know, if you didn't experience that as part of your Comic-Con thing, uh, a trip, you were missing out on a big part of it. So right. what would cause you, like, what was the point for you to say, you know what, it's just not worth it? Um, when I would have to get there, when getting there at six in the morning was still not getting me into anything. And I was spending the entire day waiting to get into a panel instead of experiencing Comic-Con. Um, that that's what killed it for me because I got, I was, I was getting to an age where I could not be like, I was not going to sleep out on the, on the concrete. Like, <laughs> I, I believe just, people I'm do not, that. 
Uh, yeah, a lot of people do that, and that I, I, I just I am not going to be enjoying my week. I'm there for because I go I go even now still do Comic Con pretty hardcore. I pack like you know protein bars and soda, and that's what I sustain on until <laughs> I can find a break to go get food. Like that is that I. I am very much obsessed when I am there. Like, oh yeah. I am constantly moving. I even talked to a friend. I'm like, I feel like my system changes and I, I don't have to go to the bathroom as much. Like, like I go into Comic-Con mode. Yeah. Because stopping, but, stopping to get food at Comic-Con, it's kind of like, if you ever watched like those, uh, indie like races, uh, it's like a, making a pit stop. Like you take yourself out of the race. Other people are still, you know, progressing and continuing and partaking right. and you've got to sort of take yourself out of that to, to eat and then get back into it and you can lose ground mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other thing I used to do that I don't do as much anymore is I used to spend countless hours on the floor going through um, long boxes because I used to be a collector and I used to look to complete collections. Yeah, me too. And, um, and I don't do that anymore because I don't have, I mean, I have the space, but we choose not to use it for that. (laughs) Um, and I, I, one day I will smuggle my collection back into my house. Um, and, uh, and so I don't necessarily do that. I do like to go and look at art. I do like to get things like t-shirts and hats and, you know, memorabilia, but I also don't, I don't feel like the need to have a lot of things from Comic-Con. So, um, for a couple years there, I kind of avoided the floor as much as possible. Maybe a little bit on Sunday when it's starting to wrap, wrap up. Yeah. Yeah. It is easy to accumulate things at Comic-Con. Extremely easy. Right. I mean, we don't, we don't wait in line for exclusives anymore because there's, there's nothing that I want so badly that I'm willing to wait for multiple hours in a line to buy. Right. Like to me, that's the idea of waiting in line for multiple hours on end to spend money is not, is not my idea of enjoying comic con. Like I've paid too much to be here. I am not going to spend it waiting in line to get an exclusive something. Cause I'm just not that big of a collector. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were in line, <laughs> those last couple of times and you were in line for hall H uh, is that is this the stuff that you felt you were missing out on uh, uh, the rest of Comic Con in terms of like walking the the exhibition hall like like you know uh, being I guess being more of a collector? Well, there's so many other panels than just Hall H and Ballroom Ballroom Twenty. Like there's independent press stuff. A lot of the Marvel DC stuff isn't in the the big halls when they're talking about oh this is what's coming up in. Uh, X-Men for the next year. This is what's going to be going on in like in the comic books themselves. We're not talking movies or television or anything else. We're just saying, Hey, this is what our net, this is what this, this is what the next year of comic books from Marvel is going to look like. Yeah. Those are in smaller rooms because people don't necessarily follow that as much. There's not as many people that follow that as that follow the movies and the television shows. So you miss out on those. You miss out on, um, you know, I'm not going to miss out on, listening to Max Brooks speak about World War Z because I'm in a line for Hall H that I'm never going to get into. Right. right. Uh, so there were, there were other place there are other people in places that I want to go um, and, and experience and see than just those two rooms. So I have, I have changed to really going to find people that 
I want to see them speak. I want to hear what their thoughts are on their franchises. Um, and now that we have the podcast, the last couple of years have been even different still because now I go to a lot of the geek culture panels and that's where I get a lot of our guests. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple years ago, I realized that you know, I when, when I first started the podcast, I would jump in and go, hi, I've got a podcast and uh, <laughs> did an interview. And for me, that's very socially taxing. Yeah. <laughs> and for them, they're already kind of socially taxed out. So um, that was no bueno for me. Yeah. So now yeah. I just kind of I, I get a list. It's a good way for me to see who I would be interviewing because there's nothing more terrifying than having somebody cold call you and ask you to be on the the podcast and you don't know if they're, um, you know, well-spoken. Yeah. Yeah. You get to meet them in person. <laughs> yeah. You get to at least see them speak in a public forum and say, okay, this person can actually construct a sentence and are interesting and we will be able to have a back and forth. So it sounds like this is really interesting because it sounds like at the height of Comic-Con's popularity, you sort of began to curate a more, low key experience for yourself by visiting yeah. the smaller panels and like the stuff that seeking out the stuff, you know, off the, the huge mainstream path that you were interested in. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you and I are both very politically minded. Mm-hmm. And so that's where a lot of the, of our interest, our interests intersect are in those smaller panels. I went to an amazing Afrofuturism panel, um, and got to see Nichelle Nichols and probably her last Comic-Con appearance. Oh, man. Um, you know, and, and you see these people talking about all the different things that are being worked on and coming out that aren't big enough to hit Hall H yet, but that, you know, you can be able to say in two or three years, oh, I remember when that guy was pitching it in, you know, this tiny little hall in the Marriott. So... Yeah, and the and the other thing that's changed dramatically in the last couple of years is that they they <laughs> they tried to expand the convention center, but there's this tiny little parcel of land that the city basically and this is a very simplified version of the problem, but little parcel of land that the city was like, yeah, go ahead and take it. This is great for San Diego; it's not a problem. And um, the 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 citizens got up in arms. How dare you take that space? That's public space. You can't have that. Um, so it stopped the renovations of the convention center, which they were trying to expand. That's right. Comic-Con has outgrown the space. That's right. I remember hearing about that. That was like last year, yeah. maybe the year before. Yeah. It was like two years ago they were going to do it and they had the plastic up and they were ready to go <laughs> and then just breaks full stop. Yeah. Um, so they've expanded to the library and to the, um, the different hotel ballrooms. And so they've kind of expanded things out and where I wouldn't go to the floor of the exhibition hall until like right before it closes on each night or Mm. on Sundays. Um, I can go on Saturday or, you know, Saturday is probably the best time to go to the floor now because everybody's in the big panels and nobody's in the main area. Oh, that's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah. So, so everybody's so spread out at that point that you can actually kind of move around in in the exhibition hall. Because as I've gotten older, I've also gotten more. Um, I know, like I don't I don't like crowds. I I've got a little bit more social anxiety in me nowadays than I did when I was uh, younger. So the idea of trying to wade upstream through the hordes of people, yeah. I'm not not 
a fun time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, God, I've had a couple of Comic-Con experiences like that where I just walk into the exhibition hall and walk out and just go, nope. Not yet. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> that really, that really opened my eyes. Uh, you know, I I went back in the late '90s was when I was going. You know, almost every year, and then um, up until I, I graduated from art school, where I went with you know a, a job in mind, um, and then I took a break, and I went back a few years ago and was just actually no, I, I went back in in I want to say like 2010. And that it's such a huge change in like 10 years. It was a completely different experience. It was a completely different show. Uh, You know, huge displays, right? Like Mm -hmm. each company had like so much square footage (laughs) that they were taking up with their, with their, um, uh, what are they called? Uh, uh, Well, their displays, but like, yeah, their booths. Thank you. Their booths. Yeah. Um, and a lot of things had been pushed to the side that were really big when I was, when I, you know, in the late nineties, it was like anime was like everywhere, right? Like that Mm -hmm. was the thing. It was like a sailor moon, this, and you know, dragon ball Z and blah, blah. And that's still somewhat, but, uh, just the movie studios just made a huge difference. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how that evolves, you know, in the next few years. I wonder if, you know, Disney and Marvel taking their ball home and, you know, (laughs) going, going somewhere else to play. I wonder if that cre- is creating an opportunity for Warner Brothers to say, okay, well, Comic-Con is going to be the big DC event. They, they could definitely work like that. <laughs> Not saying that they're going to take full advantage of that opportunity, but <laughs> I'm sure they find a way to fuck it up. But, uh, you know. Uh, you said it. I didn't. I was trying to be very nice. But since it's out there, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because it does create that sort of vacuum, right? Mm-hmm. Did it feel mm-hmm. like there was Star Wars missing? Did it feel like there was, you know, Marvel missing? No, because I think it's because it's so successful that it permeates geek culture so completely. Right. That there was no, like, you didn't miss the presence. I mean, there's cosplayers in Marvel stuff. Oh, there's, right, right. There's Star Wars stuff everywhere. Like, there's, there's, like, just because they weren't making big announcements didn't mean the fans weren't enjoying it or the smaller panels weren't discussing it. I mean, the number of times that The Last Jedi was discussed in a panel. Oh, my God. Was almost obscene. Really? Like, I, <laughs> yeah. Like, everybody was pointing, like, the fact, like, it is official, ladies and gentlemen. Star Wars is the most toxic geek fandom like that is that is universally accepted at this point like everybody is just kind of like pointing to the star wars fandom and saying this is a problem and so i and i i witnessed it because i think i was mentioning to you when you were here i i walked into one of the podcasting panels because i was waiting for something else didn't have anything scheduled for a while and it was at the library which is a bit of a trek yeah so i walk in and they were debating they were debating the movie. Like there were half the panel was for, we love the last Jedi. Half the panel was like, we don't think it's a good movie. And that spilled out that annual, our panel spilled outside of the panel room. I walked out. I was like, I don't want to hear this for an hour. I'm going to get some lunch. And so I'm sitting there waiting for the next panel to start up. And they continued the conversation with listeners of this podcast that was, was doing this discussion for a half an hour. 
after the panel. Well, they're like, well, what about this thing? And what about like if you look at it this way? And it's like it's like oh, I, 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 I mentioned on Slack. I was like. It, it is just a movie, right? Like I didn't miss something where it's this, not, you man. Know, the, it's the, Star Wars. The last the religion. Well, the the zealots were in full force. Oh wow! And and you would just go, oh my god, guys! It's it's a movie. Like it has not committed murder. It has not toppled a small developing nation. <laughs> like it is just a movie. Man, that's this. So this like the fabric of the internet come to life. Yes, like it is all, and you would, and that, that's what I, I like. We went to the Afrofuturism. Was it the Afrofuturism panel, or was it the? No, it was a panel on cultural appropriation, and I didn't hear it, but my friend uh, Rob, that's Pasadena Rob, not Rob from the Comic Box, <laughs> um, was sitting next to me, and when we walked out, he was like, "There were two white people behind us talking about how the panelists had no idea what they were talking about." And uh. I'm like, A, why did you go to the panel? B, they're all experts. So, yes, they do know what they're talking about. Oh, my God. Uh, that would have been so triggering for me. Oh, <laughs> uh, again, yeah, and, and that's the, and uh, there were there were all sorts of of back and forth. There were like you, you would go down in the um the the floor and and be walking past booths and you'd hear people with these conversations that just make you cringe because you're just like oh my god that is the internet right do there. you think but at the Go same ahead. at the same time you'd hear you'd hear stuff that was very um you know affirming and very positive and so it it, it really is the whole yeah thing. i was gonna say that's that's humanity like you know mm -hmm. that that's it, it's all of those things and that can feel, you know, both kind of sobering, so sobering and liberating, maybe, you know, or hopeful. Yeah. Because um, mm -hmm. that's, yeah, like humanity is cringeworthy. Humanity is, yeah. you know, also can be uplifting, right? Like it's none of right. us get it 100%, you know? Like I'm sure I have yeah. said things that have caused people to cringe for whatever, you know, their personal reasons. You know what I mean? Um, right. it's just Comic-Con is one of those events. That's like a, it's, it's like a flashpoint. It's like everyone descends onto San Diego for these, you know, four or five days. And you really get mm -hmm. like, it's right there in front of you. These conversations, these points of view. I, I love the sound of the panels that you set, that you got to visit. I'm like, oh man, I'm, I'm starting to feel like a really strong pool. Like I went from like, you know, I don't know. I don't really do Comic-Con anymore to, okay, maybe we'll try to go next year to, wow, I really hope I can go next year. Like just in the course of our conversation, I'm like, this sounds pretty amazing. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's really a cool, I mean, it is anybody who goes to conventions knows that they're a place where you can find your tribe. And I feel like Comic-Con is kind of the ultimate of that because every tribe is. Oh, it's like the, it's like the beginning of the warriors. Where all the gangs descend mm -hmm. and <laughs> yes. can you dig it? <laughs> nice. That's it. I'm going. Um. Yeah. The, the last panel, and this is one that everybody can experience, and I highly, I highly encourage people to do so. Um, is I went to one of the podcasts. A lot of podcasts that are a little bit more exposed than we are to to large pools of listeners um, do get to record their podcast at 
Comic-Con and I saw a, um, they, they, they do it as a panel, but they record it and then they post the audio. And so ready, set geek, which is part of the geek say what network did. I think my most favorite title of a panel called nostalgia. It doesn't belong to you. Nice. And it was like, you can listen to the full audio. It was very well done. Um, you know, you may have, you may hear me cough or sneeze or something. Cause I was in the room. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I, like I was present at this thing, but it was, it, what they did bring up star Wars. They did talk about why we have the connection to the properties that we do. And it, it, it was just kind of a cool panel to be at. And I, I love the fact that they were like, yes, this is why it's like this, but no, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. That's awesome. That yeah. sounds great. Um, so, so while you're at Comic-Con, are you aware of the news and the trailers coming out and like any of that stuff? Yes, because I have Facebook. Oh, so you're on your phone <laughs> at the same time. You're in line and stuff. Yeah, so I, yeah, so, um, I will talk to, like it's a combination of you were sending me things as you heard about them. My friend Rob would get things. I would find things as I was going through Twitter and social media. I spent a lot of time that weekend on social media because I'm also talking to people on Slack and and Discord and uh, there were lots of debates. Things got heated, (laughs) but you know, it's, but it's, it, you know, for me, you, you get the notes news in little bits and then you kind of have to go back and go okay what happened that i did is there ever like uh an ex- is there ever an instance where you're not looking at your phone and a sort of like wave of of information wafts through the crowd and like you you know people start talking about this thing and people pull out their phones to like look it up honestly it's a little bit more when everybody's at dinner checking their phones oh, okay like because because the gas lamp district which is like right outside the um the convention center is just like everybody's at dinner at some point and they they've kind of accepted that comic-con is going to happen so they try and do like prefixes and and capitalize on it and everything so everywhere you go it's just badges everywhere like everybody is from comic-con and so you'll see somebody go oh hey and they'll talk to their friends did you hear that buffy's being relaunched and um, and then all of a sudden everybody's checking their phone to see <laughs> what is this news that I did not hear. Right. Right. Yeah. That's one of the things that I wanted. I was excited to talk to you about. Um, did you get, oh, okay. Theories. Yeah. I, I want to hear these theories because I, you, you, I think <laughs> sent me the first bit of information on that, the first headline. And then I, mm-hmm. what I just kind of deep dove and was like, what are they doing? Like what's, you know. Um, and for, uh, for a minute there, it was like, I instantly saw debates on Twitter, Joe, like instantly no <laughs> people saying like, uh, it's, it's, you know, Joss Whedon, it's just, it's Joss Whedon's vision. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? You know, have we moved past what Buffy, you know, what Joss Whedon was able to bring to the table. And then suddenly they were discussing the new show runner and like, you know, Oh, Josh Whedon is just producing and you know what I mean? And it would go back and forth. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize, I think you told me this weekend that there it's a continuation and not a reboot. Yeah. I mean, are, are we doing this? Are we yeah, doing I would love right to now? Just dive in. Okay. So I, uh, yes, it is going to be a continuation 
because of the the article I read that that you you sent me basically said um, the the showrunner was like, look, there's only going to be one Willow, one Xander, maybe because the actor who plays him is in jail. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> uh, one Giles, like you're not going to be able to recruit re- recreate this. Um, we don't want to recreate this. Um, we want a sense of this is a world and it's moved forward. And now that we are in 2018, 2019, we can kind of reflect the, the, world that we actually live in that can be reflected in the world on mm. television. So the, the Slayer is going to be a black woman. Right. And, um, and so that was the big news. And that of course has divided a lot right. of people. I do not think it is going to be called Buffy, the vampire Slayer. Oh, I think it is probably going to be called the Slayer. Okay. And so the, is the main character's name not even going to be Buffy? I bet it's not going to even be buff. Like this, this is my own fan theory. I don't think that they're going to do Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I think they are going to produce a show that exists in that universe and call it the Slayer. That that is my that is my prediction. yes, yeah, that yeah, I can okay. So uh, that was who that was what um, the the showrunner her name's Monica Owusu Breen. She worked with Whedon mm-hmm. on I think Agents of Shield. Or she's, I don't know, we, yeah, we didn't do work on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? Or no? Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. so she Definitely. was a writer on that project, and he brought her on as showrunner on this new, and, and she did clarify the other day that it's it's a new Slayer that they're introducing. Cool. Mm-hmm. And then you can't call it Buffy, because Buffy is literally named after that Slayer, right? That Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah, it's that Slayer. Yeah. So, And I mean, like, uh, spoilers for a series that's been done for decades. Um <laughs> the the last um the last couple of episodes but basically what i forget how she does it but she casts a spell that basically summons all the slayers so anybody who could potentially become a slayer because there's always one slayer then there were two because she died but they brought her back but when she died a second slayer was called so um she she and her friends did this spell or ritual or something that made every girl who was potentially going to become a slayer become a slayer and so they kind of had this slayer army and then the comic books which i have not read continued from there so i i will probably go and find all the the buffy the vampire slayer comic books and start catching up on the world because if it's going to continue in this world i i got some catch this sounds so cool (laughs) just the more i read about like the mythos like that that's the stuff that really blows me away man you know like there's so much you know ya material out there um and mm-hmm. and a lot of it is derivative you know when you're world building or or when you when you, yeah when, when people are world building a lot of it is being drawn from tropes that were have already been kind of used over and over again um mm-hmm. but when something new comes along or when someone has a fresh take on something that we're familiar with uh, it's so exciting to me from a storytelling point of view, you know, Absolutely. and I, I really wasn't aware of all of the mythology that had been kind of built up, you know, with this property over the years of storytelling that they did. Um, so I'm, I've, it's Buffy is one of those shows that I've always thought at some point I'm going to tackle that at some point I'm going to climb that mountain and I'm going to go back. And then part of me was like, it's going to be tough. Cause just like what you were talking about with mission impossible, like 
it's a different era of filmmaking. So it's a different era of editing, mm-hmm. of acting, of, you know, storytelling, basically. Um, and I did kind of, right. you know, part of me was worried about that. Like, is it going to feel slow? Is it going to be hard because I've waited too long? And it's, you know, we've just evolved in terms of our storytelling techniques and styles. Um, so I'm super excited for this because it's it's a jumping on point. Yes. And I, I highly recommend you go and, and do the full deep dive and just marathon the hell out of Buffy. I will warn you, the first season is rough because it it was in a transitional era where it was one of the first shows that moved from episode of the week to, you know, it was very monster of the week for the yeah, first season. Yeah. And then it started to go into, okay, we have a monster of the week, but then we have the underlying B plot that's going to be there for the entire yeah. season. And so even though that's not what we're uh, handling this se- this episode, um, we're definitely going to, it's going to move that forward somehow. Yeah. And then by the end, it was kind of like every episode was just continuation. Like it was like very cinematic. It is all one. Buffy piece. was around, was out around the same time as the X-Files. Right. And I feel like, or maybe a little bit after, mm-hmm. but I feel like those two shows you actually got to see the evolution of television storytelling, like as you watch the show progress, because yeah, I think I think they talk about Buffy being one of those, um, X Files being one of those, and Star Trek uh, Deep Space. Oh, Nine really? Being one of those where you could see, and again, I wasn't a huge. I, I had moved out of the Star Trek mm-hmm. fandom at that point, but my understanding is the first few seasons are very mm-hmm. episodic, and then all of a sudden they kind of start transitioning to the no, we're telling a story throughout. The right, right, the and it's funny how you could. I, I wonder how much of it was them recognizing the audiences were ready for that versus them saying this is just where we need to go, like as a as a story, right, as a writing team, you know, because uh, X Files also started as Monster of the Week. But there was that mm-hmm. overarching sort of like season long plot line or stuff that they would build up, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Talk about ahead of their yeah. times. Yeah, in fact, that's that's one of the things I've heard interviews about Deep Space Nine. That was like we we wanted to do this, but nobody done it before, so it took convincing. Mm-hmm. And I think there were a lot of a lot of. In answer to your question, which came first, the chicken or the egg, I think that the creators wanted to do this, but because it hadn't been done before and they didn't know how the audience would react, it was very hard to sell that idea. So they would sell the Monster of the Week story, but then kind of start moving it in that direction once it was a... a what a novel idea, right? It's like, have something cool and then figure out how to sell it. It seems now like it's like... If they can't, they if they can't sell something, it's not even a go. <laughs> like they have to know how to sell. They have that's the first, you know, that's the first order of business is how are we going to say make something that we can sell as opposed to oh this thing is yeah. cool let's try to get you know let's really use our brains to figure out a way to connect it with audiences. And some I mean some of these shows yeah, you know like X Files didn't have great ratings the first season. You know, like it, it, no, a lot of our favorite shows. I mean, I go back to, you know, I, I'm a big fan of like Seinfeld and like, you know, uh, The Office, you know, Parks and Rec. And like those, none of those shows had great audiences. The first, they didn't really make good numbers. They were just given a chance. And so I can see where you get frustrated where you're really into a show and it just isn't given that chance. Right. Yeah. No, they don't give things chances yeah. at all anymore. Yeah. And it, it's, um, 
it, it almost it almost seems like they make up the studios make up their minds what they're going to invest in regardless of whether or not the audiences are there um and that that mm-hmm. brings me that's my segue to uh, uh the first trailer i want to talk about uh i don't know if you got a chance to take a look or not but um uh, the first the first trailer no, I that i saw come out of <laughs> comic-con was godzilla 2 um did you see the first re the the, the gareth edwards reboot of godzilla what I okay did. um what I, I had mixed feelings after that film um and got, mm-hmm. part two i knew it was in the works forever it kind of, this trailer kind of took me by surprise what is it trying that's what to i'm be? wondering and i was more confused than anything um yeah i don't know what they're trying to it didn't really feel connected to the first film either it didn't feel connected to the first film. It didn't feel um, – I, I didn't understand if the monsters were the good guys, the bad guys, the force of nature, and maybe they're doing something really revolutionary and making it this is not a black and white world, so we're not going to make it a black and white world. <laughs> and that would be yeah. interesting. Um but I, I had no understanding or concept as to what this movie is other than monsters are going to be there and it's obvious going to be. Yeah, I think um, by the end of the trailer, they've started to – it's almost like they try to tell like a little plot within the trailer where it's like a plot twist, right? I don't think this is a spoiler because it's mm-hmm. literally yeah. in the trailer. Where it starts off saying we've got to do something about these monsters, <laughs> we've got to do something. We we need or, or no, actually I think it's we need them to to save us. And then it, and then yeah, but I think by saving them, they they're saving it by it's a little bit of the Thanos <laughs> thing to, to to save you. I'm gonna kill yes, half of you. Yes, it's it's right. It's that one character saying we need the monsters to save the planet, and then halfway through the trailer, it's like kind of like chemotherapy. What? And then at the end of the trailer, it's like, oh, my God, this woman is crazy and the monsters are going to destroy us. But maybe they're the good guys in the end. Like, I was like, what the hell? Um, (laughs) I I think what it's going to end up being is that all of the monsters are the bad guys that she tricks people into releasing. And Godzilla is the one that saves us. Okay, that's I wish they had communicated some of that in the trailer. Um I mean, I, I did hear a lot of people respond to positively to the the, the sort of uh, unexpected choice in musical score for the trailer, um, which which did definitely add to this kind of disorienting quality. Um, it was cool aesthetically, but it did just leave me with a ton of questions. Um, I don't know, maybe that's yeah. what a trailer is supposed to do, but um, not maybe not with Godzilla. No, Ray, it's supposed to tell us the entire oh. movie and just take out all the good parts so that we can't enjoy them while we're watching them. I feel kind of bad for Gareth Edwards at this point because he, years ago, uh, I think it was in 2010, he made this little indie movie called Monsters that basically, like, he, when nobody was really, other than, like, the hardcore fans were geeking out about, like, kaiju and, like, you know, big monster movies and stuff, uh, you know, before The Rock made his you know monster movie um he made this little indie movie mm-hmm. on a shoestring budget and it had great effects and it was this really cool movie about big Mo- it was literally called monsters 
Um, and I, and that was what got him the gig of directing the Godzilla reboot. And I remember being so excited for that film, Joe. And I've talked about this on this podcast before. I'm a big fan of gritty, realistic filmmaking, right? I love taking fantastical mm-hmm. things, whether it's superheroes or monsters or magic or whatever, and just making it really great, really gritty and realistic real world, which is why I kept giving Zack Snyder, a, you know, the benefit of the doubt for many years. Um, and so his Godzilla looked, they sold it in trailers with that. Like, you know, this is going to be like a really mm-hmm. terrifying movie. Like, what would you feel if Godzilla were to actually be a thing, we would be terrified. And so um, that was kind of how they sold it. And, you know, it turned out not to be that. And they they sold Rogue One. That's another Gareth Edwards film. You know, he directed Rogue One, uh, the Star Wars film. Um, they sold it as a, at least from my point of view, as like a really like hardcore, like military film that takes place in the Star Wars universe. And then, you know, uh, I'm sure a lot of people are aware of like all the, all the reshoots that they did. They, because it was too gritty and they're like, well, hey, this still has to appeal to the Star Wars audience. Like, you know, at the last minute they sort of lost their nerve and <laughs> changed a bunch right. of stuff to make it, you know, more family friendly. And I was disappointed by that as well. I mean, I still like Rogue One, but I was really, I was like, oh man, like they're going to make this, they're going to make a Star Wars movie for me. You know, um, and so Godzilla, you know, that was a letdown. I walked out of that film going, okay, that was not that far from the horrible uh, Roland Emmerich, you know, '90s Godzilla film with uh, with Matthew Broderick. Do you remember that movie? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, that movie was a train wreck. It was hokey in so many ways, and I kind of left the 2014 Godzilla film going. That had a little bit of that in there. That was still an ingredient. Well, I my biggest problem with that movie was the, with the with the the um the one that this is a sequel yeah. to the the twenty fourteen yeah. movie is that they did not need and I don't know why they tried to shoehorn it in the love story like they didn't need it like it didn't add anything if there was like the realism that came out of like you, you set yourself up to have a certain expectation of, all right, I am going to live in this world that, that has Godzilla walking around. All right. So you've already suspended disbelief, but all the moments that even took me out of that suspension of disbelief were because of this forced shoot him plot point of the girlfriend. And I'm like, I don't need this. Like this, this is not adding (laughs) to the movie in any, I forgot about that plot line. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, because it because it was it didn't need to be there, and I'm not, and this is not me saying that there shouldn't like you know, yes, go ahead and put in a, a romantic or a relationship, human element, but of some don't sort. or or a human element of some sort, but but it doesn't have to be this forced shoot him thing where she really was just kind of a victim, right? And didn't right? It just it, there was nothing substantial right, there. Right, yeah. The only reason to watch that movie is because Aaron Taylor Johnson is a He gorgeous. is, dude. He came, kind of came out of nowhere for me. I was like, I saw him, I remember seeing him in uh, uh, Kick-Ass. Like, you know, he's funny. Yeah. He's watchable. He's likable. And then he was in an Oliver Stone movie after that. And I was like, who's that man? Like, whoa. Like, <laughs> who is that? Oh, my yeah. God. That's Kick-Ass. Like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah. He He's a, uh, I like watching him for sure. Uh, yeah. he's sexy. 
Um, <laughs> so, and you, so Godzilla two, obviously, I'm I'm gonna be there. Yeah, I think we're gonna go. I, Matt actually likes big monster oh. movies, so I, I know I don't. <laughs> I, I, I I do feel like the big monster movie fans though kind of come out of the woodwork from the most unexpected places. They right? do, they do, because he loved he loved um, uh, what was it called? Rampage? Um, oh, God, no. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> let's not go crazy there, Ray. <laughs> Pacific. Oh Rim. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was great. I love yeah. the first. I didn't see the second one. I love the first one. Anything else? No, no. Talk? I think uh, we're ready to move on. Um, I I'm just gonna plow forward with the things that I'm most excited to talk to you about. Um, Wonder Woman 1984 is apparently the official title for the the sequel to. Uh, to the new wonder woman movie. Um, that really, I, at this point, I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> um, it's a bold choice. And typically I would give a ton of, of credit and, um, sort of a, a benefit of the doubt to, you know, to, to bold choices in storytelling and filmmaking, uh, just because it's so hard to find that nowadays, everything's so safe. Um, I'm. I don't know what to. I don't know what to think about this. I, I think it's going to be interesting. <laughs> My biggest concern is Chris Pine is in it. What? Oh yeah, no. you didn't read that. Oh yeah, he's in it. Wait, Chris Pine, Steve as uh, Steve Trevor. As Steve Trevor. Now it could be in the flashbacks, but from what I understand, that is not the case, and there is proof of life somewhere on the internet that he is okay. In- Okay, so yeah, maybe flashbacks. They also did they show his death in the first one? He was in a plane that exploded, right? Okay, yes. huh? Yeah, this is um, it's it's interesting to see. Uh, interesting is the word you used, right? Interesting. Um, yes. <laughs> it's interesting to see how they'll they're willing to take the the one. I think it's fair to say at this point the the one successful box office, you know, kit that they have under their belt with the whole justice league franchise. And, you know, okay, now we're going to put a twist on this and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like you have something that worked here the first time around. You don't want to mess with it too much, but they're going, I mean, the graphics coming out, it's like full eighties film. Yep. Right. Uh, I'm dying to see a trailer at this point. I know they just announced it. I know that they're, have they started filming? No, but it needs to film like, cause based on its release date, it needs to film like yesterday yeah. and it needs to have no, no problems at all. If it's going to make it. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, the synopsis is interesting. I'm excited to see the cheetah. I'm super excited to see the cheetah. Um, it's one of those, one of those villains that you just, I just never thought I would see. It's like Mysterio. It's just, it's like, you know, Spider-Man villain. It's like, my brain is having a hard time translating that from the comic book page to the big screen. I'm really interested to see how they're going to do Cheetah. Um, I'm really interested to see Kristen Wiig's portrayal of this villain because she's not so, I love Kristen Wiig. 
Um, she's not someone that I see in a role like this. So I'm really interested to see how they do this. Like I have faith. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm going to be there. I'm rooting for it to all work out. Uh, just really like at this point, I can't wait to see a trailer. Yeah, no, I definitely want to see a trailer. I do not have faith. Oh, Joe. I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be very honest. I am, I like, I will continue to see DC movies, and this is part of the problem. I will continue to see them, and that means they will continue to get money, and that means that they will continue to go on doing what they're doing. Um, and so I am part of the problem. <laughs> but here are, here are my big, my big red flags um because as i think you've said a little later in our show notes uh, or at least implied dc has trouble letting go of the past yeah and so i think i think the idea of setting it in the 80 1984 and having it be about you know the cold war that sounds really interesting there have been comparisons made between um, uh, Kristen Wiig's Cheetah and um, Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. Okay. Because they're both kind of frumpy academics that somehow become. Oh, these like hypersexualized, super- like. Uh- yeah, yeah, like uh, scantily clad so, superhero. Yeah. Okay. Well, and even if she's not scantily clad, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that that's the direction they're going to go, but I, the idea of that feels because they're pulling up images of Batman and like I'm worried that they're reformulating old content again and they're just like well this like like we what we said before this works so let's just do yeah it. let's do it what, what can we rely on we'll just do it over and over yeah we know that chris pines in it we don't know that it's flashbacks that scares me because he was one of my least favorite things about yeah. the movie not him i thought chris pine was fine but i didn't feel like i didn't feel like it was helpful to the wonder woman yeah character. i totally like, agree she didn't yeah, so I I want Wonder Woman to be amazing because I think the last one was fun. Can we just have Amazons? Like, can we just have that? I would be fine right. with that. Um, I I am worried. I do not have faith in DC at this point that it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, I think um, you know. The first Thor film, uh, everything on planet Earth for me felt unnecessary. And I wanted to see more of Asgard. And I think that they got that message. And with part two and definitely, you know, after Guardians came out, they're like, let's just go all in on this weird, you know, comic booky stuff that, uh, that, you know, can translate and audiences love. And yeah, I, I would hope that they would get the same message from the fr- success of the first Wonder Woman film, which is just that, like more the mascara, more Amazons, all of that was awesome and amazing. Um, even in even in Justice League, I liked that stuff. You know, that stuff was like my favorite. Some of my favorite stuff in the Justice League film was again more Amazons. The Amazons are great. Give us more of what we yeah. want. Um, I do like the fact that they're tying it to like the Cold War era. I think that's really cool. I'm hoping that they don't just completely skip over the other wars. If 
you know, Wonder Woman, starting with World War One, if she's here to sort of, you know, quell the sort of like destructive, you know, events that that humans kind of start, you know, kick off. Uh, it'd be interesting to see mm-hmm. what she, you know, her role in World War Two, even if it's just in flashbacks, even if it's just a montage at the beginning. You know what I mean? It's just to catch us yeah. up between mm-hmm. World War One and, and the 1980s. Um, it'd be interesting to see that. I don't know how much of, you know, how much of the DC wants to wade into like the whole Vietnam stuff, but it, it, I think it'd be cool to see that. I like that they're tying her to these events. Um, I guess I'm, I don't know. I'm hopeful. I'm hoping that they, they pull it off. I, I would like, I would like to be, I would like to be hopeful. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm tired. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's been a lot of, a lot of disappointing films and we keep going, this is going to be the one that's great. This is going to be, and then Wonder Woman comes along and we're like, okay, okay, this is, oh wait, no, we're done now. Yeah, Um, No kidding. The 1984 spin is just like, they're really going for it. They're, uh, (laughs) did you see the poster even has like the, the kind of like VHS kind of like distortion uh on it. uh It's got the little play good thing in the corner like when you press play on a on a vh oh man <laughs> let's go we're doing it we're we're doing this we're doing this Look around. And, and i i hope i'm wrong i want to be wrong i want to go in and be like but i at this point i have to protect myself right? yeah <laughs> i have to be like i'm not gonna let you hurt me <laughs> i get it i get it so that uh something tells me then you will you will not be tuning into the uh the titans tv show the- <laughs> What what is what is that, Ray? What you saw me when I was watching the trailer because you were here. That was one of the highlights of the weekend for me. Was you know I, I we knew that we were going to be doing a Comic Con recap for this for this show, and you know Joe was like, hey, just you know whatever news is coming out, you want to talk about on, on game. And so I was making notes as news was coming out, and when I saw this trailer, I was like, oh, Joe has to see this. He has to see this trailer. And we and we purposely tried to not talk too much about Comic Con while you were out here because we wanted to save it for the yeah. show. And so I don't like, I think we talked about stuff we knew we weren't going to cover. And but you couldn't like you couldn't wait. You were like, I have to show you. This. <laughs> and I watched it, and I'm like. And, and I want to be very clear because I know sometimes I get bashed for um, for being too negative with things. I think a a dark, gritty comic book TV series because you know we don't have any of those. Um, <laughs> I think I think it's fine, and I I like dark, gritty stuff. I think it'll be fun. But when your entire fan base is grown up with Teen Titans Go. And you have Robin saying "fuck Batman" in the preview. You've just traumatized an entire generation <laughs> of people. Like I don't know what they're doing. Right. It's it's like the uh, you know what this reminds me of. This reminds me of the '90s comic book industry, mm-hmm. where it's not they're not making choices based on storytelling, based on character. They're making choices based on shock value. On yeah. just what's the most controversial thing that we could do. And I don't know who is running things over there or influencing things that grew up in the 90s where everything was extreme and every you know soft drink was neon green colored and everything was loud and in your face. Um, that's that's not that's over. We've <laughs> we've moved past that. And so I do think this is it's it's a hundred percent placing all of your uh, um, all of your hopes or whatever on just that the shock value is going to 
draw audiences in. And as you pointed out right away, not even just giving no no consideration whatsoever to the fact of who your audience is, what they've been informed by, how are they are how they are connected to this property already. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely a strong choice. That's for sure to have a live action uh, and a live action Titan show is that's cool. I've always liked the Titans as a, the Teen Titans as a as a team. The idea oh, that it looks it looks great. Right? And I'm I'm very excited to watch it. Like I think it will be interesting. I just think as far as because I mean they have been they have been successful with their television, and so right. But I, I mean, but the thing is that the Teen Titans are. You know, they are the sidekicks. They are the younger wards of, you know, these various superheroes that are adult and that are gritty in and of themselves and that are facing really, you know, uh, uh, universe threatening uh, um, foes or challenges or whatnot. And so the Teen Titans are like a smaller scale. You know, it's got Robin as the leader. Like it's the bright, youthful counterpart to the gritty Batman, right? So to then do like a super gritty dark version of this team, it's like what you're you're now you're now stripping these ideas of what makes them interesting and unique to shoehorn them into this stylistic choice. And you don't need to make them an- angsty. They're teenagers. They're already angsty. Oh, that's a like, great point. That's a great <laughs> you point. To, you don't have to add angst. Well, let's talk about Buffy. <laughs> angst is natural to teenagers. Buffy was angsty, right? But it was also funny and bright and silly. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it it didn't take itself so seriously that it got in its own way. Yeah. And I think that's what this is, problem is going to be, where it's like we're taking ourselves so seriously and we're going to be so dark that um, that we we lose the we lose the joy in watching Robin kick ass. Yeah, like, yeah, totally. Um, those of you that haven't seen the trailer for the Titans uh, TV show, please seek that out. It's it will be in the show notes okay. because it is it is pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now, now on the other side of this coin, because this is a very important um, <laughs> thing, uh, the the woman that they have cast as Starfire is African American. Yeah. And has already been driven off the internet. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That. Yeah, so so just just so you know, who is she playing? They announced uh, she's playing Starfire. Starfire, that's right, that's right. An orange alien. Yeah, she's playing an orange alien, but apparently that orange alien has to be played by a white actress, or life will not move forward in any sort of positive way. So <laughs> um, the woman I'm trying to find, um, Anna Diop. It's D I O P. I don't know how to pronounce her name. I believe Diop. Yeah. Um, she has already been, she has already canceled her Twitter account and moved herself off of, um, social media yeah. because, because of the backlash. So good job, internet. Cause fans are irate that an African American woman is playing their, the orange alien character from a comic book. Uh, go team. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on the other end of, of, uh, that sort of news, um, Deadpool two, has uh, they released some more deleted scenes uh, at Comic Con, and that I, I told you about this one, right? Yeah. Did I? Okay. Well, you just mentioned it, but you said you were going to save it for the show. Yeah. So unfortunately, I wasn't able to find any uh, actual footage online. I think that they're including it into the super duper cut, 
which is what they're calling the DVD release of the film. It's, it's you know, obviously the director's cut, the super long version. Um, and they've included a bunch of previously deleted scenes. Uh, so if you love Deadpool 2 and you wanted more of that, you have a gift coming to you because <laughs> there's apparently a lot of, like, silly and just even more extreme jokes that they took out of the, the movie that are going to be on the DVD. Um, the one that caught my attention was uh, at the end of the, 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 the montage at the end where he's traveling through time and he's taking out, you know, Ryan Reynolds uh, before he makes the Green Lantern film. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the first version of Deadpool that we saw in, in the Wolverine standalone film uh, at the end of that sequence, he travels back uh, in time to the year that Adolf Hitler was born. And in a sunny hospital room uh, in Austria, uh, <laughs> apparently he looks, he Deadpool looks right at the camera and says, I'm going to hell, but hey, so are you. And then the, I guess off screen, uh, you hear, you know, <laughs> you hear what happens. Or he, he kills Hitler as a baby. Uh, I feel like this is one of those things that only Deadpool could pull off. Yes, and and I and it sounds like they they made the right choice in keeping it very off camera. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so this is a different sort of confidence than what we've been talking about coming from the Warner Brothers, right? Um, this is a I feel like this is the kind of thing where they they're saying, and mind you, I mean technically this is a Marvel character, but Deadpool's not coming out of the MCU. Right. This is no. not like, you know, the, the Marvel brain trust of, you know, Kevin Feige and, and you know, his people kind of okaying this storyline. These these guys. Yeah. And you meant you meant uh, Fox, right? You didn't mean Warner Brothers. Oh, sorry. Sorry. OK. Yeah. Did I say did I say Warner Brothers? I meant Fox. Um, mm -hmm. This is this is coming out of, um, you know, Fox, Deadpool, the makers of Deadpool really have a strong understanding of this property. Like they really know what made Deadpool such a popular fan favorite character for so many years in the comics. And so mm -hmm. they can make the, they can, they can walk the line here. Right. And make these sorts of jokes. These sorts of like, you know, dark, dark humor, uh, um, uh, uh, jokes knowing that they, you know, where the line is and where they can push and sort of what's going to maybe freak people out in the right way. Um, yeah. more, more please. <laughs> I want, we we did. Oh, go ahead. No, I just say I want I want the full X Men universe in the in the Deadpool the Deadpool series. Yeah, me too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we did skip over two other DC franchises that are doing movies. Um, Shazam almost makes me want to be hopeful. Oh, but again, I have been hurt so many times. I, I it looks charming. It does. I'm concerned. It, yeah. It looks, so it, I, I, I what well, I was yeah, I was I was wondering where you were gonna fall on Shazam because I this movie is not I am not hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> this this and my my take on it honestly is like this feels like this should be a TV show. Yeah. The the makeup and costuming, and I'm not saying that I need all, you know, all my superhero costumes to be leather or, you know, with the with the the brightness turned all the way down. Um but but this there's something that just looks under budget about the the look of this film. 
But I think it's purposefully so. Right, it might be. Yeah, that's that hopeful quality coming through in Joe. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, again, it's it's coming out of DC. So I just, I just, I, I'm not going to get excited about it because I, I want to, I want to be pleasantly surprised in the theater. Yeah, and you know, if it, it, if you're going to take this really like humorous kind of, you know, uh, hopeful approach with one of these properties i guess shazam is the right one to do it with yeah. so in that sense yeah. it's like okay good on you you at least designated the right property to, to to you know to 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 do this take um whether or not it's been cast appropriately i'm i don't i think that's what's gonna honestly that's going to be what makes or breaks this film mm-hmm. is you know whether or not the cast comes through whether or not they deliver um whether or not uh, Zachary, uh, is it Levi or Levy? Uh, if he can pull off playing Captain Marvel, then I think the film mm-hmm. will do well. Yeah. Um, I, my biggest concern is, is this, like many of the other DCs, a little too little too late? Like, I, I feel like we've got a tick television show. We've got a... I mean, we've, we've had kick-ass, we've had, we have Guardians of the Galaxy. I will be interested to see what this movie does differently than all the other things that we've got already that we can go back to. Like, I, I think DC needs this movie. I question why we need this movie. Yeah, I do feel, though, that um, – this has the potential to to give us that of like what haven't we seen already? Mm-hmm. I think they are trying to do that. It's kind of weird to me the cost. He's not like a he's not Chris Hemsworth, you know. Like no. <laughs> the costume is definitely adding bulk to him to his physique, and that's just kind of weird because um, you know the the this little boy turns into Captain Marvel, who they're renaming right. Shazam. Um, so you don't need to find. I guess they they really put a lot of trust on on Zachary Levy for to to carry this. Yeah. So I I don't know. We'll see. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. <laughs> we've got a Mary Marvel. I'm looking at the cast for this. They've, we've got a Mary Marvel, uh, played oh, by wow. Grace Fulton. Um, Mark Strong, who I love to watch, is listed as Doctor Savannah. Um, and. On the on the the cast list for Shazam, we have Dwayne Johnson playing Black Adam. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, right. So that might be a bit of a spoiler, uh, you know. But it's on the cast page, so yeah. So I, it's okay. I see you. I see you, DC. I see you, Warner Brothers. You know, like trying things out. You you got to do something different than what you've been doing. So. Yeah, because it hasn't been working out <laughs> for you so well. Yeah. What was the other property? The other DC property. Oh Aquaman. yeah! <laughs> How long have we? I feel like you and I, Joe, for the last couple episodes that we've been looking at the the slate of upcoming films, we're like, oh, they're they're doing that. They're they're we're mm-hmm. we're doing this. Okay, let's go. I guess this is still happening. Wait, Aquaman is still happening. Uh, it's here. It's gonna be here at the end of the year. Yeah. We've and got- I. <laughs> Here's here's again. I'm going to be generous. Here's what I think is is positive about Aquaman. I think we have. I mean, you don't think of that many films where the setting is underwater, 
Yeah. And I think visually, they the from the 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 trailer, things are looking very um, you know, very visually interesting. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of stuff that they can do. I just don't. I, it's not a character I know that well. Um, I I have never found him to be like the political intrigue of undersea worlds has never been my cup of tea. <laughs> so like I don't love it with Submariner. I don't love it like. <laughs> It, it's it's kind of like oh, okay, so the, the idea that they're going to rage war on 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 the, the surface the, the world, surface dwellers, okay, that could be kind of cool, but I, I I'm not I'm not confident. I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of origin story going into this. Which once we've seen the character, do we need an origin story? I don't right. I don't know. Right? Do we? How did you feel about um, Avatar? I thought it was cool. Like I'm not. I think you were a lot more big about the the visuals than I am, yeah. and I think it looked neat. But I wasn't sitting there going, "Oh my god, this is revolutionary" because of the way it looks. I felt a little bit more of that with Aquaman because I'm like, it really does look amazing and beautiful. Yeah, and, yeah. But it, it also looks a lot like uh, Pixar. Yeah. You know, oh, that's it, a good there's point. There's a lot of there's a lot of like it's uber CGI. Yeah, I I'm happy when. Uh, a, a property calls for taking a big home run swing and the studio goes for it. Um, and I keep going back to Asgard because that was the big question, right? Early in the early days of the MCU is, are they going to do this? Are they going to fool? You know, Asgard is, you know, Kirby land. It's fucking weird. <laughs> are they going to try to try to sell audiences on it? And they did. And so I feel like Aquaman, you're, you're right. It is a property that calls for that. You need to go all in on, you know, the, the kingdom of the underwater kingdom of Atlantis. Right. Um, and so I was happy to see that, but also a little bit kind of nervous, like, Oh, like, is this too much? What are audiences primed for at this point? Like, do you have to explain, you know, that this, these crazy, like, do you have to over explain these crazy civilizations or at this point our audience just like, Oh, it's another crazy civilization. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm in the, and maybe it's because I, I'm part of the people who have been with this stuff for so long. It's like, yeah, it's just another place. We're cool. Um, yeah, (laughs) there is a lot of gorgeous people in this film. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's going to have that going for it. If they play it right. You know, I mean, Magic Mike did numbers and it did not have the most, you know, fascinating storyline. Um, so, you know, like Amber Heard is amazing. Her, I'm worried about her wig. Because- okay. Can I was, I didn't know, I don't know who that character is. Like, is that supposed to be uh, Mara? Mara? Yes. Yes. That's who be- eventually becomes his wife uh, in the, in the comics. Where is her little crab fish and seagull friends? <laughs> oh man that's you just it's oh. she's ariel and i'm not going to be able to see anything but the little mermaid when she is on screen like that wig is so terribly bright red it is it is shockingly fake look it looks like she's wearing like nylon strands or something. <laughs> like it's, it's so bad. And that's a, like every time she was on, on screen in the trailer, I was like, 
you know, where this is a fork, Ariel. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I mean, it is, you know, that whole look is very, very true to the character from the comics, unfortunately. You know, maybe that's where you take creative license. I mean, Man of Steel's, you know, Lois Lane was played by a, you know, great actress. Got her Amy, um, what's her name? Um, she, but my point is that, you know, Lois Lane in the comics has, uh, has a, is a brunette and, you know, uh-huh. in the man of steel, she's played by a redhead and they just went with it. They said, why, what's the, you know, the, that's not a defining characteristic of the, of the character. Right. Right. Um, so, you know, <laughs> maybe they well, could have made that change. There's, there's like, there redheads do exist in our world. They don't have to be comic book redheads. Like, right. you can give her, you can dye her hair red, and yeah. I mean, she's a blonde. You can give it a subtle dye job, and you're good. Like, yeah, I that's... don't understand why it has to be like stop sign red. <laughs> yeah, it's Amy Adams who plays Lois Lane in Man of Steel. But yeah, yeah, no, you're right. They could have went. That was another choice that they could have made there. Um, I'm really rooting for Jason Momoa. I'm a I'm a big fan of his. Um, mm-hmm. Just I don't know. I don't know if it's just visually or what, but um, he is kind of a bro. You know, I follow him on Instagram, and he's he is his character in Aquaman. I think for or in Justice League. You know that 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 take on Aquaman. That's Jason Momoa. Um, you know, I rooted for him in Game of Thrones. I rooted for him when he got to remake uh, Conan, Conan the Barbarian. Um, not, you know, didn't necessarily wow anyone with his acting chops in any of those. No. Uh, <laughs> but, like, I, I am not going to see Aquaman to see Academy Award winning acting. Right. <laughs> like, that is right. not why I would be going to see Aquaman. I guess what I'm and trying I, to get at is, is I'm rooting for his acting ability to not be, you know, to, to the detriment of the film. Yes. Right. I don't want to cringe in any well, and, of the... Here, here's a little story about Comic-Con that I think will tell you where I land on the whole Jason Momoa Aquaman thing. Um, when you get your bag and your, uh, like they send you your badge now. So you get that in the mail, but then you stand in line to get in and they hand you a collector's bag, which is like, I don't know, three by five feet. Like they're huge, they're these mm-hmm. huge bags. And then and a lanyard and the bag comes with a, a collector's pin and it, they were all DC characters. And, you know, there's there's the really common one, like the, the different rarities. So, you know, if you got one of the special ones, then, you know, you can either trade it around for something or it can be worth something. But one of the more common ones was Aquaman. My friend Rob and I referred to that pin all weekend as angry Jason Momoa. Because that like there's nothing about this pin that I, I'm holding it in my hand right now. There is nothing about this pin that says Aquaman. It is just a pin of Jason Momoa's head with a frown. Like it oh. was an angry Jason Momoa pin. <laughs> like badass Jason Momoa. Yeah, badass Jason Momoa. Right, right. So, I like, yeah. <laughs> That is, I mean, that's Jason Momoa, right? Like he rides motorcycles, he he rock climbs, and he sticks his tongue out a lot. <laughs> Arthur I, Curry, I am, ladies am, and gentlemen. <laughs> I am, I will try and put a picture up on the interwebs, but I am I am sending a picture of the pin to you right now, so, so that, that you can. It's on. It's on uh, Messenger. Okay, good, good. Um, so. 
I'm also noticing in Shazam and Aquaman, both trailers feature a scene where this young, the superhero as a young boy is, is being picked on by bullies. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. that, you know, they, they fight back and they, they, that's, and that's, I'm wondering when that's going to be a thing that is like, we, we can skip now. I feel like, I feel like five or 10 years ago. Yeah. As a teacher, that bullying doesn't happen that often. It's all done online now. Right? Yeah. I was thinking about that too. I went out and watched uh, Eighth Grade last night, and uh, that was a really well-made film. Really, really, I think, uh, a a really accurate portrayal of an eighth grader's kind of, you know, day-to-day life nowadays, socially especially. And it's that. It's it's bullying no one does that anymore like that and my apologies if if, you know you know an eighth grader who has been bullied in that really classic you know 80s villain way um Mm -hmm. but i just i just don't think it's such a widespread practice anymore you're right it does happen online and it's more like uh it's it's social media shaming and and kind of ostracizing in real life it's a passive aggressive bullying now right our our bullies have evolved they're now passive aggressive which Mm -hmm. uh you know might be worse um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, and, and I'm not saying that nobody gets punched ever, but right, I, right. I don't feel like I feel like because throwing a kid into a trash can is so like you can point to that and say he did this. Um, it's a yeah. lot easier to get away with it when you do it online. And so they just don't. It's not as in your face anymore. Like comments. Sure. But nobody's getting punched at school. I, I'm not going to say nobody. A lot of uh, that has gone down considerably yeah. because it has moved possibly a even more hurtful medium. Yeah. And I think now with the way kids are, you know, kind of really socially plugged in and aware in ways that we weren't, when we were younger. Um, they just, you know, they're, they're, I, I've noticed in t- my 10 years, you know, working in high schools and I mean, you have even more experience than me with this. Um, you know, kids protect each other. Kids, you know, no one, no one is allowed to be the outright villain, bad guy, Right. Like in, in those mm-hmm. kinds of settings anymore, because they will be called out. Yeah. Um, yeah. But back to Aquaman. Um, there's some really interesting visuals. You're right in the trailer and that I'm glad they went with that because that is going to be the strength of this. If it succeeds, um, I'm definitely going to be there. I will say um, I'm super happy when they take these funky villains or characters from the comics and just we get to see them in a huge, big budget, you know, kind of trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black Manta looks amazing. The first time I saw the trailer, I was like, what is that? Who is that? And then it clicked. Oh, that's Black Manta. And they really stayed true to the design of that character. Well, and you do realize, okay, so we already have Lex Luthor. We're going to get Black Manta and the Cheetah. We are one third of the way from the Legion of Doom. Oh, my God. I think that needs to be the direction. (laughs) Like, if they they want to – if he wants to jump in and and, – and scoop Marvel before they can do something cool, then they need to make a Legion of Doom thing. Like they need to have an point. event. Yes, yes, they need to have an event where um, where the villains come together and then they can be the you know the good guys, the Justice League versus the Legion of Doom. And Marvel has killed off a bunch of their bad guys and it's going to be very hard for them to do that in their scheme of things but dc has a much more direct route to that right now and if they don't capitalize on it they're idiots oh my god that is so true oh i just got giddy just 
thinking about that. This needs to be a thing. Someone needs to. It does need so, to be a th- thing. Someone needs to write this up. Someone needs to post this on Twitter. Let's let's get this retweeted. <laughs> the Legion well, of maybe Doom. Maybe we will do. Happen. Maybe we will do a Legion of Doom movie. Maybe like I still think we need to get together. Like one of our episodes coming up needs to be uh, we reboot the 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 DC universe. Oh yeah, I'm all in for that. I do that anyway in my spare time. That's my hobby. <laughs> rewriting the DCU. <laughs> We have been talking for a very long time, so we probably should start wrapping things up, but I have to talk about Glass. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, I thought we had covered everything. I thought we were about to wrap up. Let's talk about Glass for a few minutes. Uh- <laughs> oh, my God. Ray, I I will be watching Unbreakable. I don't think I've seen Split. Me neither. Um, so I, I'm going to go back and watch Unbreakable. I'm going to watch Split. I am so looking forward to Glass. It looks amazing. It does. It, I, I was really – I had really low expectations for the trailer for this, honestly. I was like, oh, we're going to see the twist coming a mile away. <laughs> you know, uh, mm-hmm. it's going to be trying really hard because I really liked M. Night's uh, early movies, you know. Yeah. Even – and then, you know, they fell off really quickly. And depending on who you talk to, you know, for some people it's The Village. For some people it's Lady in the Water. You know, for some people it's uh, – uh, what was after that? Um, I was uh, clearly for me, it fell off around that time. I don't even know what came next, but, um, yeah, I stopped, I stopped seeking out, uh, the, the movies. Yeah. I, I think, I think the last one I saw was lady in the water. Yeah. And so, but even going back and seeing like signs and stuff, I still enjoy those, but I can see the effort now. I can see where he really believes he's smarter than the audience at every turn. And how that that kind of were the seeds of what led to, you know, the horrible movies that he made later on. Um, so I was sort of, uh, you know, it's one of the reasons why I haven't seen Split. Because I was just like, eh, that's fine. You know, I can, I can skip that. If, if I hear something great about it, I'll come back to it. And I did hear great things about it. And then I heard that it was kind of a backdoor, you know, uh, uh, a sequel to, to Unbreakable, which I loved Unbreakable. So, yeah, Breakable is awesome. Yeah, yeah. And so I rewatched that again recently, and it, man, it holds up. It is so well done. It's, it was so ahead of its time because it's, it's a, you know, like, I feel like some, he, he took the filmmaking approach that one thinks of when they think of Oscar contenders, like, 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 uh, uh, what's it called? Um, Oh God, I just drew a blank. Um, the one with Kevin Spacey where, uh, and Annette Benning, American beauty. Yeah. You take that, that sort of Sam, Sam Mendes, like really classical, like, you know, really, um, uh, uh, traditional camera angles and filmmaking and a pro and editing. And he applied it to a superhero story in the early, early days of superhero films. Right. Uh, and I think that's why I'm interested to see what you think when you rewatch Unbreakable. Um, yeah, because I mean, at this point, we're going on 20 years ago, and so wow, like yeah, well, that was in that was in 2000, and I didn't realize Split was just 2016. I feel like it was a lot more. I thought it was a while ago, but no, it was just two years ago. Yeah, yeah, and I and I like um, that actor. He's, he also plays. Um, he also plays uh, Professor X, right? Yeah, no, and he's ripped. James McAvoy, yeah, he is. James McAvoy yeah. is ripped in this movie. Yeah, he he was in. Uh, I just watched that Charlize Theron um, film. Um, 
where she plays the spy and uh oh, what was that called um james mcavoy is in that and he's actually he's great in that he's like menacing and like fucking uh just like leaps off the damn screen i was like wow man what else has he been in? i want to seek out other films that he's made oh it's atomic blonde is the one that oh i didn't see atomic blonde that's a cold yeah it's it was it's 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 comic booky in its storytelling Mm -hmm. so it's like Mm -hmm. you know i think it threw some people off because of the the shtick of like it definitely leans into the kind of like you know fantasy world of spies but it's it's told it takes place during the cold war um, yeah, and it's got great action, amazing action scenes. Uh, I really liked it, and James McAvoy's great in it. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited to see Split, and then the, this trailer for Glass really it, it shocked me in a good way. Yeah, I, I I saw that, and I was like, oh, this is good. I, I think I had the same idea as you. I'm like, oh, it might be something interesting. It might be, and then I was like, oh my god, this looks amazing. <laughs> yeah yeah it's i love that there is continuing this approach where it's it's not just your straightforward like superhero story you know just the start of the trailer with them all like in chairs like in what's clearly like a mental facility like i was like hooked right away like oh this is not what i expected yeah so so you said you didn't see split no i haven't seen it yet no. Okay, so um, I'll be interested to hear because I, I I thought it was kind of a disturbing horror thriller kind of thing, and so that's why I haven't proposed it to to Matt. But we will yeah. see that because and it looks we, interesting. We could have saw that this weekend. We could have. We, we just have. thought we talked nonstop. We were supposed we to come over and hang out and watch a movie, but we were just geeking out like the whole time. <laughs> cool. Well, maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll 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 watch Split. We'll get together and watch that. Yeah, that'd be fun. All right, cool. Awesome. Right. Well, that that's, yeah. That, I mean, that's all the stuff that I wanted to talk about Comic-Con. A bunch more stuff came out, but it, it didn't, it was nothing that really made me, you know, like super curious and, and blew me away that these are the things that I was like, I got to talk to Joe about this stuff. Yeah, no, we, like it was, and it was nice because I got to just enjoy Comic Con, and then I came back and did all that geeking out. Like, okay, what, is, <laughs> what, were people, what are people sending me? What are some of the things that that I need to to keep up with? Awesome, so, awesome. Um, yeah, out. and if you, oh yeah, I was gonna say before we move on, shout outs. If you uh, are listening, and there was something that we didn't cover from Comic Con that you wanted to chat about, just hit us up on Slack. I want to hear about it. Yeah, yeah, please do, please do. Um, God, shout outs. Uh, you have a shout out this week, Joe? Um, yeah, I did want to shout out to, um, Barbara Dillon of Fanbase Press because I got to see her at Comic-Con again and she's amazing and wonderful. And, um, their comic book Kidze was up for, uh, an Eisner award, which is amazing. Um, so that's, that was, you know, to her. And then I met, um, a PR person for Lion Forge, and we will definitely be talking more about Lion Forge moving forward. Um, I was very impressed by their their comic books and their company and, and everything. But um, Steen Stewart, who is an associate editor at uh, Lion Forge Comics, was amazing. Like I walked up to her on Sunday and was like, "I want everything." Like walk me through, <laughs> walk me through where I start in your universe. And I thought she was somebody that they, they had, um, you know, kind of just 
a volunteer for the day, you know, maybe somebody who worked in the office or anything. And she gave these really in-depth descriptions of the books. And this is what the world is. And this is what our mission statement is. And I'm like, this is amazing. And then she kind of just casually mentioned that she was, you know, in charge of PR and, and this and that. And I was like, I am, I am amazed by you and your company. And so <laughs> the two of them, I feel like, I feel like fan base press and lion forge are like the, I guess you can call them indie publishers at this point that people need to start watching because they are doing amazing things. And if you are not reading some of their stuff that you're, you're missing out on good comic books. So that's my shout out. Cool. That's uh, that will count for both our shout outs because I have been unpacking. So I could shout out to the boxes in my living room, but uh, <laughs> I'm just, just going to go ahead and seed my shout out to you this week because you had, those are pretty awesome shout outs, you know, from just, coming off of Comic-Con. That sounds amazing. Yes. Um, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to start booking more guests. I don't know that we have a topic for next week, but um, we we need to, to figure out when these guests can talk to us, and that's going to take a couple weeks to do. So um, in the meantime, we're just going to keep coming and geeking out with you guys, and, and hopefully that will, that will suffice for topics. <laughs> cool. Thanks for listening. Uh, all the music in this episode is by Ben Sound. is being used under a Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. Geektitude is a proud member of the geek to geek network. Check out other geek to geek shows such as the geek to geek <coughs> podcast, runningshoes.tv, and Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. And make sure to join our Reddit community at r forward slash geek to geek cast. You can currently find us at geektitude.com as well as on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and most other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at geektitude or me personally at Epic Grays. Ray, where can we find you? You can find me all over social media because I'm on it all the time. Uh, and I'm at RayVargas3 on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or if you want to check out my artwork, you can go to RayVargas3.com, which is my artist site. Awesome. And that's it for us this week, guys. Until we talk to you next week, remember this week, keep it geek. The Red Legion took away our home. Dominus Gaul has stolen our light. But from the ashes, a fire team of guardians rise to... Guardian down. Wait, wait, wait. Who was that? Uh, Titan, no jump good. This is Happy Hour from the Tower. I'm T. I'm Nick. I'm Brandon. And we're going to talk about all things Destiny. Why we play. Why we love punching aliens in the face. And why T's aim needs a little bit of work. Have you got that? Say you've got it. See something! podcast for players of all levels find happy hour from the tower on itunes stitcher or at happyhourfromthetower.com eyes up guardian time to give up the ghost it's happy hour from the tower first rounds on us so how would you describe a podcast like the shared desk it's a podcast that took its sweet time to do a promo. <laughs> yeah well i think that goes without saying i mean you could say the shared desk is a podcast about collaboration because that's what we do wait 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 wait. there's a lot more to the shared desk you got our loot crate looky-loo oh what's in the box and then what we're doing when we're not writing usually it's pretty nerdy and then there are the drop-ins it's the whole world gone crazy yes there are drop-ins 
And we love having guests on the show. It's the shared desk after all. And if it's Katie or Lauren, you get some lovely singing as well. So find The Shared Desk on iTunes, Stitcher, or at thesharedesk.com. The Shared Desk. Two writers. One podcast. Different different points points of view. Greetings from TG Geeks webcast where Ben and Keith, the two gay geeks, talk about all aspects of geekdom and nerdery. Sci-fi, comics, film, horror, genre, you name it, we talk about it. Find our episodes each week on tggeeks.com. Visit our Facebook page, TG Geeks Webcast. On Google Plus and YouTube, look for us as Two Gay Geeks. You can tweet at TG Geeks and at the Two Gay Geeks. Or call our feedback line at 469-TG-Geeks. That is 469-844-3357. Happy listening. Peace. Cheers. Cheers.